Okay. Piranha. Piranha. <laughs> Sounds like there's an old Star Trek episode where they're drinking Tranya. And I, every time you pronounce it, I think of that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, hello everybody in the RC world. Welcome to the RC Roundtable, where we talk all things RC, but mostly planes <laughs> and other stuff, yeah. but mostly planes. <laughs> mostly. The planes come out at night, Mostly. Uh, I'm Fitz Walker. Joining me is Lee Ray. Hello. And Terry Dunn. Mostly. Mostly. (laughs) Mostly mostly done. Should we make that a contest? Someone's going to email us what what movie reference that comes from? Yes. If you know that movie reference, you get a sticker. How about that? Well, the problem is this podcast will be out for a while. We'll get 800 requests. (laughs) (laughs) We should be so lucky. Well, the first person to email us at contact at rcroundtable.com gets a sticker. How about that? With the correct movie reference. Hey, All let right. me take us on our first uh, sidebar here. Yeah. In your first sentence, you said everybody in the RC world. Did you know that there used to actually be a place called RC World? There might still be a place called <laughs> RC World. Really? In Florida. Yeah, like in Orlando, I think it was a retirement community. And it's kind of like they've got that one now on top of the world in Ocala. So... It's like a subdivision with all homes, but it's intended for RC people. They've got oh, yeah. a on house field. Yeah, I remember well, seeing that in a magazine. Yeah, so there was one in Orlando. It was called RC World, and they had this big paved runway. They would have an air show every year open to the public, and uh, my dad would take me there, and they had a demonstration team called the Cloud Dancers, and mm. they would fly these Byron F-15s in formation. Or maybe it was three of them, I think, but you know, we're talking... Uh, OS, what was it, 80 Nine, or 90? 77, whatever it was. That, yeah. yeah, two of them in each plane. So I think it was probably a miracle just to get six of those running at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really. Now, see, when you said RC World, I'm thinking there's this really, you know, like off the beaten path uh, next to Disney where they have these animatronics or these little, you know, dolls singing, riding this little <laughs> ride for, welcome to the RC World. There's some planes, there's some boats. <laughs> you got a little animatronic Dave Browns and Brodak, John <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, they had, I guess it was open flying. I don't remember that much of it now. I was probably 10 or 11 when we went to this thing. Um, and But they, I do remember these Byron F-15s flying formation, and it was great. And they had a thing where they would, whatever the start of the event was, Saturday morning, they would open up one of these Byron ducted fans, and they would fly it before the thing closed Sunday afternoon. I guess it was to show how easy those Byron kits were to build. Hmm. And I remember seeing so much neat stuff there. There was another plane called the Flying Machine, and they did a thing called the Saber Dance, which everybody was like, ooh, ah, but it was basically hovering. So this in, what, 1985, uh, they were hovering our plane as part of an air show act. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it was crazy stuff then. Bleeding edge stuff. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, so you, when that came out of your mouth, my mind instantly went back to that uh, place and how neat it was then. Man, you had all the cool stuff in Florida. I, yeah, I guess. You so know what this be, world needs is a revitalized RC world. And yeah. RC Roundtable should be the official sponsor yeah. of RC World. Let's do it. And, buy some you land know, somewhere? 
right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of what them. kind of what kind of amusement rides do we have in RC World? <laughs> <laughs> How about a ride where you sit in a little airplane that goes around and somebody else has a transmitter to make you go up and down? <laughs> mm, no. No. Well, you know how, I, it, well, I'm not sure how many people here have been to Astro World, but I'm sure at other amusement parks, they have uh, sometimes little ponds set up with RC boats that you can have. Yeah. You know, so they're just these big boats. You put a quarter in or whatever, and they run for like they two, three in, uh, minutes. They have that here in South Houston. Well, see, at RC World, they, we need to have bigger boats. <laughs> and instead of just like four or five, it should be like 50. <laughs> so okay. I'm already going to start writing down all my wish list items for RC World. It's, hmm. Let's work on that. It'll probably be available, what, 2038? Yes. You know what I found out? I I wish I'd known way, way, way ahead of time because it's a place we've all been several times, or at least near near it. Apparently there's a huge uh, pond or lake down in in New York City, uh, Central Park, I guess, and it's known for having sailboats, RC sailboats in it. Yeah, yeah. San Francisco has one too. I think Spreckles Lake. Yeah, but do they charge like some kind of fee for you to go put your sailboat in that water? A, a tax? I'm sure there's some wind tax they're going to hit you with. <laughs> wind tax, water tax. Yeah, uh, frequency tax. tax you know. <laughs> Wait, are you using uh, NICADs, nickel metal hydrides, lipos yeah, in that boat? Maybe lead and something that you're holding tax. <laughs> Great. All right, all right I, I'm seriously regretting this. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's how we roll, man. Well, you know what? I, I hope that there are people out there who have actually heard of this RC world, and we get some email or responses on our Facebook yeah. page. to and You know what? Just, just there, like someone might have a photo album yeah. <laughs> of it. So Yeah, is it uh, still there? I don't know. It could be. It's like a RC flying community, basically. Yeah, I would I like assume that. the houses and the subdivision part of it are still there, but I don't know if the RC aspect of it survived. <laughs> it's a Walmart now or something. Yeah, it could be. Interesting. But, and we yeah. all know what happened to, well, I don't know if we know what happened to Byron, but Byron is no longer yeah. part of the RC community. So I think they even stopped making fuel, didn't they? Mm, I don't know. Did they? Uh, Maybe. The fuel business lasted for a long time after they stopped doing kits, but I think that's finally gone kaput as well. Yeah, you can still find the kits around, but they uh, draw a hefty price. Yeah. yeah. Gold tags on them. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, as Terry says, let's get this show on the road or or get it back on the road. I think it was on. It, it, I don't know if it ever was. It was still RC, so I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're talking RC. So what's your beep, Terry? Mr. Yeah. Grumpy McGrumpy Pants. And the stock market and taxes and, yeah. Yeah, all RC related. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, let's talk about batteries how's that let's get back yes. to the batteries batteries so uh spectrum aka horizon hobby announced that they have a new generation of their smart battery technology so i thought well that's interesting so i, I i've recently uh looked at some of their smart batteries in fact i did a review on some of my channel and it's a pretty neat technology uh, did you see the the video i did when i took one apart what? Yeah, I had a, a bad one, and so I said, hey, I wonder what's inside this thing. So I cut it apart on one of my live streams, and <laughs> found a little circuit board. <laughs> Terry and I have the same vision, I think. Yeah, that's to know, Scalpel. man. <laughs> Some big clean room. Curiosity. Insatiable curiosity. You know what would be great if Fitz would like, had one of those big like bomb <laughs> vests on. <Yeah. laughs> a little padded vest and yeah, the yeah. helmet shield and stuff. Yeah. Okay, well, what did you find? I found a neat little circuit board. Well, what was broken about it? Uh, it had a bad cell. One of cells was bad. I think it came that way or went quickly that way. I used it a little bit, but it wasn't holding a charge after a while, so 
Um, I said, well, it's only a little two cells, a cheap battery. So I said, well, I'll sacrifice it to the battery gods because I was curious about what was inside. Hmm. Okay. So, Interesting. I'll have to find that and watch it. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't that long ago, maybe two live shows ago. But anyways, uh, so the the I do like their smart technology batteries. They work really neat. They have a lot of neat features to them when you connect them up to something that can read the data. And so they just announced that they have a Generation 2. And the biggest change is there's no longer balance port, balance leads coming out of the battery. Interesting. Okay. So it's only three wires, the two main power leads and that third data terminal that's part of the connector. So, um, of course, this means from best I can tell that in what they're describing, you will need to use their smart charger to charge it. Best I can tell. I'm not sure if you can charge it or not with a regular charger. In They're going with the Keurig mode. design. <laughs> Keurig? <laughs> uh, well, they had the, the, the K-Cup 2 set up where you could only use K-Cups that had their, like, their serial number or barcode on the side. Oh, really? It really frustrated a lot of people, so they start people started finding ways to, to bypass that. But you're I right. If they're that. taking away the taps, you're, you're forced to use their charger and scanner equipment, right? Yeah, because it'll talk. It can do in order to balance charge batteries. It has to talk to the charger, and I guess the yeah. charger tells it to the data stream. Uh, it'll still have the built-in auto discharge that can be programmed, and all the data logging and all that kind of stuff. So it just seems like it's a simpler connection. Instead of connecting two separate connectors, you just plug one connector in, which in in the surface seems nice. Less things that go wrong. I've had balance right. ports, balance connectors go bad on me. So yeah, and I'm. I mean, I'm not. No, I'm not dissing it because if you are going to buy the G2 batteries, you're probably already set up with the Spectrum charging equipment. Yes. And they say the older chargers can be firmware upgraded to talk to the new G2 battery. So even if you have an older charger of theirs, it'll work. They have that third wire connection? Yeah. Yeah, it's a smart charger. But the the previous smart charger, because I experimented with it, and it can only, it won't balance charge through just a connector you have to plug in the balance connector even with the smart battery charger yeah. but this new one apparently since it no, no longer has that smart that uh, balance connector it has to go through the data wire i call it the data wire it's just a third wire in between the, the, the power wires so since the older chargers weren't designed really to do that you have to upgrade the firmware because they have little usb ports on the side you can do that so that you can it can talk to the new g2 batteries the batteries have USB ports? No, the charger does. Oh, okay. So you can update the firmware and the charger to talk to the new batteries. I see. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, okay. Correctly, in order to balance charge as you're charging. Now, it's not clear if you can bulk charge the batteries with with a uh, off-brand charger that's not a smart charger. I've never really seen... They seem to indicate that, say, say you need the new charger, but it's still a little not quite clear... Uh, so I was planning on getting one of the new G2 batteries. I need to get a new battery anyway, so I'm, I'm thinking, well, let me get a G2, and I, I can experiment with it a little bit. While you're at it, add one for me. Just you know, <laughs> you change, know. change that quantity from one to two. Do you have a smart charger? Oh, the battery. Oh. Well, is it going to get a charger? Your charger. <laughs> you know, charger. Exactly. Yeah, you know, sharing is caring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Big Bird. Uh, so that was that was uh, announced. I thought that was interesting. I guess they got a whole new slew of G two batteries now that you can all, all different sizes. Okay. So no new functionality. Just they've gotten rid of the separate balance plug. 
that's the best I can see, unless I'm missing something. Uh, they did mention something about the the in, the cell casement is a little thicker, I think. Um, in the batteries, I'm looking right now. I'm trying to find. Oh, I'm looking at the charger. That's why it's not saying anything. But that's just there's a physical a, attribute. It's not... There's a physical attribute they did change on the battery. Um, I guess yeah, here we go. Thicker internal metal side plates protect cells, improve heat dissipation. Okay. And these uh, plugs are compatible with the EC series, EC three or EC five or whatever. Yes, they're both. They're physically compatible with those plugs. Yes. Okay, but they're called what? ICs now. IC, yeah. IC, IC three and okay. IC five. All right. um, they are saying too that one other change is the batteries now come automatically programmed to self discharge after seventy two hours. Okay. The new the, the previous ones weren't programmed to self discharge. They were it was disabled and you had to go in with a smart charger and enable it. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's probably prudent. So yeah, it was nice that it's preset like that. I thought it was a good idea. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of discharging, you know, th- most chargers that have discharge capability, and I guess that's most of them now, it's very limiting because you know basically you just got to take all that electrical energy and convert it into heat, and chargers aren't really good at that. Yeah. But they do make dedicated dischargers that are that can discharge more quickly. Now I've got some manual methods. I've got a couple of DC light bulbs that I use in conjunction with um, a voltage alarm, and that works well. But uh, I'm intrigued. I may look into one of those purpose-built dischargers i didn't know if you guys had any experience with one uh, i might have one but i don't remember i seem to think i do but i don't think i've ever used it because i just usually use my charger um uh was probably a good idea especially if you got a bunch of batteries in your, in your shop and you just want to plug something in without having to fumble with the charger and plugging it in and that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. nice little device that, that certainly could come in handy. oh yes i do well no it's a balancer um, I have a balancer thing that balances by discharging, but I don't think I can program it to discharge. Yeah, that's probably still a slow yeah. process too. Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, this is kind of a big machine, and it's you know the point is to get rid of that heat more quickly and efficiently. Though. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's my understanding anyway. Yeah, it probably has a big heat sink of some sort on it. Yeah, I do that. Okay, I'm sorry. That's my second tangent. How many mm-hmm. do I get? You get three. Okay. I'll use it wisely. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, When you talk about discharging, I just see a line. They do, apparently, the auto self-discharge does do it at a higher rate with the new G2 batteries. They're saying one and a half amps to storage voltage. That's significant. Yeah, that's pretty good. Where does all that heat go? Gosh. Uh, Good question. (laughs) There's a little sticker on it that says, also used as a hand warmer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I imagine it does get a little bit warm probably, but not, not too warm. Maybe that's why they have thicker metal on the cells too, because of that reason. <laughs> All right. So when you've got that in hand, come back and tell us what you've learned. Oh, good luck. But speaking of new products, something you actually have in your workshop, and we actually have seen pieces of it. You've got a big plane in your garage, Fitz. He has a lot of big planes in his garage. A newer big plane in his garage. Mm. A newer, bigger plane? Bitter, better, stronger, faster. It's browner. French. It's brown. It's the yeah. brownest plane he's got. It's the Frenchest. Full size RV4 that I'm building in my garage. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> no, but uh, yes, um, if you, I did tease it a little bit on my um, personal social media, but I have the new, um, let's see, the Seagull models, third scale. Yeah, Seagull models, <laughs> third scale, Moraine Sonia AI. How many sisses does it take? Sisses? Yeah, how many sisses? Oh, it takes uh, 50 to 60 sisses. Ooh. Yeah. We're electrical. <laughs> That's a lot of sisses. I thought they were cacas. Cacas, sisses. Cacas, sisses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, um, that's a very new model uh, that's been brought in by Legend Hobby. And it's a parasol wing, World War One, late war fighter plane. And it's a big, it's a big mother. My biggest plane yet. It's slightly bigger than the Shot Cub. And with a bigger engine, too. Oh, and uh, with an interesting engine. It's got the auto start feature right. on it. Right. Yeah, you, did, you teased that here before. So. Yes. That is, that is, I, it's one of those things I didn't know I needed. That's like cruise control in a car, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Once you have it, it's like, I can't go back without it. It's, it's painful. Uh, it works really good. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a little more, you know, stuff to wire up, but it's just so cool to be able to, because I have the remote choke, too, on it. So I don't have to touch the plane at all to start it up, other than to turn it on. I mean, and, the, and the master switch. This, this is what I wanted to talk about. I didn't want to t- say too much information, but, you know, adding the auto start, this huge little starting device, I was like, okay, that's going to add weight. But when you look at this plane and you realize how little there is in front of the center of gravity and that leading edge you need as much weight as you can get in that plane so rather than just putting blocks of lead or, or steel plates to balance it why not just put an auto start put two auto yeah. starts in there have a backup yeah, yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right because i had actually still needed to add nose weight so it didn't take anything from uh from the from the weight and balance to adding the, the little motor it's got a little dc it looks like a rc car oh one of those 540 motors but just longer can version Okay. It's just a brushed motor, nothing fancy, with a two-stage gearbox and a one-way bearing on it. Uh, and uh, it's got a relay box that plugs into your uh, a channel on your receiver, and it plugs into a three-cell uh, lipo for uh, that actual power to motor. Huh. And, and is that a, a momentary switch on your transmitter? Yeah, I use the button on my Spectrum uh, uh, eight channel. Just a little with the um, bind button at the top. It's just a momentary okay. push button. You can assign that as a channel. I think channel I or something like that. So the DX8 G2 is what I'm using. So um, so I have one switch that I can flip on to choke. And then I have another button. So I can, I press the button um, and it'll crank over. Now it, it automatically stops. You can only hold the, you can hold the button down infinitely, but it'll only run for maybe five seconds roughly. Before okay. it automatically cuts off. So usually, unless it's really been sitting for a while, usually if I hold it the first... Oh, I'm trying to remember. Sometimes it takes two tries to, to uh, before it kicks in with the choke on, before it sort oh. of pops to, um, to prime it. And then I flip off the choke, and then one more push a button, and it cranks right up. Huh. So have you had any intentional or unintended... Mid-air restarts? I have not. It's the that EME engine is run really, really good right out of the box. In fact, the first couple of flights, I had I didn't touch anything on it. 
as far as the the uh, the mixture settings on the on the carburetor. And this is a one cylinder. How big? Single cylinder. I'm using the 60 cc. 60 cc. What size prop is that turning? It's turning a 24 8. Huh. Okay. Really nice, uh, old timey looking vintage prop from Zor Props. Hmm. Okay. It cool. really looks great on the model. Um, I, I had, after, uh, I guess a couple of flights, I did tweak the high end a little bit. I think I rishened it up just a little teeny tiny. Because uh, I, I, I ran it again. Okay, so we flew it, obviously. Uh, Lee and I met, and we got a, a good, got a nice flight out of it. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a heavy plane, but it flew pretty good. Um, it was up in the air pretty quickly. Tools around at partial throttle, no problem. Uh, I'll probably tweak the CG a little bit, just experiment, see if I can take some weight out of a little bit of weight out of the nose. Did you say weight out of the nose? Out of the nose, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll just see if I can lighten it up just a touch. But it feels great. Um, very easy so to fly. Um, is there lead in addition to the equipment up there? Yes. I have, so, actually have two blocks of weights that I put in the nose. And brake drum from a 1976 Eldorado? <laughs> no, almost. I used um, machinist blocks that I had laying around. Like, like what are they, one, two, three blocks? Or eight, uh, two, three, four, I think. Yeah. Or is it one, two, three? <laughs> X, Y, Z. Yeah, I guess they're one, two, threes. Yeah, okay, one, two, just threes. A, a block of steel. Yeah, a block of steel. Well, okay. two of them. Yeah. And because they bolt right on, actually, they mounted really nicely. Hmm. So, um, and what else going to say? Um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry, but you said you're going to try to remove weight. Yeah. Um, so after the first flight, uh, oh, the, the muffler came off. <laughs> That's what it was. Again? I was going to say something. You, uh, yeah. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> I was trying to be kind and not interrupt, but damn, I was going to say, it was, you mean that loud first flight? Yes. Because <laughs> we're flying. I was like, why is this? I it think you so said Lee, right? loud. Yeah. It was yeah, loud. I was, I was like, yeah, you're right. It does seem kind of loud, but it was running just fine, but. When we landed, like, oh, yeah, the muffler's off. <laughs> it, just, it was still sitting in the bottom of the cowl. Yeah, yeah, I didn't lose it. It was just kind of just sitting there dangling. Even the screws were still in it. <laughs> so, oh, Fitz. So, so I was had that to, blue Loctite on that? I had red oh, Loctite on it, and red. I cranked it down. My goodness. Um, and so when I, that's why when I, we had to stop flying for the day. So when I um, got home, I took it all apart, took the cowl off, and... Um, I use some really special washers, uh, and I forgot the name of them. Actually, one of my viewers had posted in the, in the, the, the video chat, he says, cause I, I think I had talked about some washers in another plane. He says, you should use these type of washers. And I, oh, for the life of me, I forgot what they are called. They're like a really special type of lock washer. It's not even a, it's like two washers that kind of key together. Because uh, I had to order them, and they're kind of a weird... Ah, okay, I got the name. It's called Nordlock. N-O-R-D-L-O-C-K. Nordlock, huh? Okay, that's a new one to me. It was to me, too. I had never heard of them, but I remember when I somebody mentioned them to me, and I looked them up, and I said, oh, well, just to solve the problem. Because I had lock washers and red Loctite on that, and it just came right off still. Yeah, well, actually, the second time, because it came off when I first started up the engine, was test running at home, they came out and I had put them back in and, and put lock washers and tighten them up and they came out again. I said, oh man, this is, I got to do something about this. 
And so I put some, I, I found these Nordlock things. I had to order them, I think, from eBay. Sort of uh, kind of serrated looking. Yeah. On the flat part. Okay. I think they come out of England or something. And I order various sizes. And so I use those and I put it back together and I ran it up again at home, ground testing it. And it looks like it's solid. It doesn't look like they're coming out. Interesting. Okay. Actually, I think you should just go out and buy a welder, Fitz. Just weld, <laughs> just weld your mufflers on. <laughs> so hopefully that uh, won't happen again. But it's a neat kit. It's uh, it's obviously it's big. The wing is in three pieces. It's an ARF. Uh, it's an ARF. Well, apparently there's an ARF and there may be an almost ready to cover version as well. You know, okay, I am going to jump on this, but let's talk about the cover because you did something super ingenious. I was so impressed, and I kind of wanted to take pictures of it. But tell them, tell them what uh, what I came across and that you did as far as the covering. That was genius. So you noticed on those, um, you got, I guess, got eagle eye. Those new prescriptions you have there. Notice <laughs> that on this center wing there was a, a circle patch. Actually, there were two circle patches. On top, he said, "Hey, these you got these little circle things." What's I actually thought that? it was stock, you know, or scale, excuse me, and that it was like to access something. Yeah, he said, "Are these access hatches or something?" And I was so. just curious. I wasn't like <laughs> pointing them out. I just say, "Oh, what what are those for?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, what happened is something fell on the wing and tore a hole in the wing." No, God, please, no, 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 no! Oh no! Yeah. Uh, before he even flew it, just a thing fell off on a table. And so when I patched it, I used another patch on the other side to make it symmetrical, even though there was no tear in the wing. Ah. So it looks like it's supposed to be there. It looks like a fuel tank access hatch or something like that. Now, if you look at the model, Terry, you'll see that it's a special covering. You know, mm. it's it's a camo covering, so it's very unique. So I was like, wow, how did where did you get that from? Uh, I got it from when you build a tail, you've got to cut covering off the tail in order to glue it on. Uh-huh. The horizontal stab, you got to cut the covering away so uh, okay, you have yeah. a wood to wood glue. And so I used that as the patch because that was the same color, same material, and it was enough sticky left on it. Oh, nice. And it so, was brilliant. I mean, it was brilliant. So I'm just saying, this is a great PSA. It should. I don't know if it's in your review video, Fitz, but this is like when you cut this piece off, you save it. Yes. <laughs> yes. You, Put this in your in your drawer for a rainy day. It'll be in the review. However, I can't take credit for it. It wasn't my idea. It was somebody else's, and you will see. Hmm. It was great. I just I laughed so hard out there. People are going, "What is he laughing about?" But <laughs> I was like, "It was." I thought it, I actually thought I was like, "Oh, what do I do?" You know, that they're kind of putting some scale stuff here. So I just thought that, that you actually had extra covering, or you could grab it from that was just awesome. So, yeah. so the lesson recovery. is, the lesson is save the scraps and don't yes. juggle hatchets in the workshop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of I was really upset when I found it. Probably like, dropped that new it. soldering iron, that portable soldering iron. He was like flipping yeah. it through his fingers, you know, <laughs> doing tricks with it. <laughs> All right. Well, so by the time this goes live, we should have a link to the website where you can see it at Legend Hobby. The uh, Marine cell. Yeah, it's nice to complain. Uh, lots of struts on that. You see, that since it's a parasol wing, lots of a whole bunch of struts to, to bolt together and that kind of stuff. But it went together pretty good. I didn't really have any issues significant as i can think of hmm. some minor it is a new kit so there may be some minor tweaks from later production model i, I sent some feedback back to it, the 
It's funny that even their full scale one didn't have an onboard starter. Yeah. Yeah, I say that's apocryphal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not scale, but. Well, and talking nice. about scale, I mentioned this to Fitz when he first told me about it. Uh, if you look up the real one, it's got a lot of wiring, uh, extra wiring in the back and the tail and in the wing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right now it's just the struts. But if you really wanted to deck that out and, and you know, dust it up a little bit and add those those wires, the cabling? It'd be really, yeah. it'd, be, yeah, I mean, it'd, be, it'd be very draggy, but I think that engine has way more than enough power to pull you around. Yeah, the engine's at the high end of the power uh, range, so yeah, that's oh. fine. So, but Would it hurt field assembly time? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's already, you got four pins on each wing to put together when you put it together, so it's a little bit, it's not too bad, but it is a little more complicated than say, the other stuff. Like the okay. Cub. Uh, but it's pretty well engineered. It's got very nice woodwork. The the struts come apart pretty easily um, for t- disassembly. Uh, it's nice how the screws go in the top of the wing when you put it together and lock the w- outer wing panels to the center so it's easy to access the screws. Uh-huh. Um, it's got some nice details, pretty good gun details. comes with a pilot figure as I well. was just about to ask, does it come with... You said it comes with a gun? Com- comes with two guns, the guns. Lewis uh-huh. machine guns, I believe. Hmm. And Lewis has with... the drum on top, right? Uh, is this Lewis? No, maybe not Lewis. Vickers. Vickers, okay. Sorry, Vickers. There's no, no drum. Um, so, a couple of tech yeah. questions. How many servos did you did it need? Uh, we can talk about price. Uh, servos. One, two, three, four, five, six is nominal. I actually have seven because of the choke. So there's two for the elevator, two for the ailerons, one for the rudder, one for throttle, one for choke. Do you know what size tank it uses? Uh, I think it's right somewhere in the area of 30 ounces, 30, 32 ounces. It didn't say on it, but that was my best guesstimate. It's a pretty big tank. And it comes with the tank? Yes, it comes with the tank. All right. On the website, it's currently on back order for $749.95. Okay. And well, and your video, we'll definitely have the link to your video, but that'll yeah. have all you need to know about buying and building this sucker. Yep. So yep. we'll what have a, a hobby view video and also a written article. Uh, it looks likely. looks like there may be another article in Model Airplane News for this one. All right, cool. All right. So I'll give you an update as we continue to fly it some more. All right, it's cool. Neat, neat to have a big World War One plane like that. That's uh, World War Ones have a lot of character. So yeah, indeed. Uh, okay, I guess we will take a quick break and be right back. Oui, oui. Oh, oh. oh. bleu. <laughs> Sacre bleu. Okay, listener email, guys. All right. Are you ready yeah. for mail call? Mail call. <laughs> we, we have to have some sound effect for that, I think. <laughs> I Is there a sound effect for mail? I can't think of it. Like that, the the America Online thing. What was that? You've got mail. You've, You've got, got mail. mail. You've got mail. Ding. Boy, that's that's aging us because <laughs> a lot of people go, "What the hell's that from?" It's AOL. still around. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a movie? <laughs> Well, let's let's forget that part. Yeah. <laughs> Vince, you come up with the sound. <laughs> It'll be a foghorn. <laughs> uh, 
So uh, an email from a gentleman by the name of Rex came to us and uh, we've been chatting and he shared a little uh, email for a free part 107 class from Check Ride Prep. And for free? For free. So if Ooh. you go ahead and I would do Google this because I think the link he sent me is incorrect. Uh, but uh, Check Ride, one word, C-H-E-C-K-R-I-D-E. C-Z-E-C-H-R-Y-D-E. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> M-O-U-S-E. Not that check. Uh, Wrong continent. Check oh, ride. <laughs> Prep. <laughs> Online. Uh, anyway, I did I did find the link, and there is a, a little Part 107 class that says free Part 107 commercial ground school. I don't know if it's the entire class. It might be like a couple of lessons that are free. But hey, if you're thinking about getting your Part 107, this is another vendor out there that offers training. I approve the online training method as that's how I got my Part 107 from the company called Pilot Institute. Not only do they do the Part 107, but they do actually uh, full-scale pilot lessons as well. So... Yay. <laughs> yeah, I would say it worked for you. It worked very well for me. I I got two thumbs up for the Pilot Institute. And in fact, uh, their prices are still reduced. I, they look like they're $100 off. So the Part 107 course is 149 And I, you know what? I had this discussion offline with a couple of people. I haven't really talked to Fitz and Terry. Uh, there are, in fact, YouTube videos that you can get for free. There are some online... St- uh, articles and stuff you can follow. There are tests you can take. But I'll be honest with you, when you have a company like Pilot Institute, where the gentleman, Greg, who's in charge of it, you know, creates updated videos frequently. In fact, he released the updated training for the night flying section that you'll need to pass in order to fly at night when, I think it's in March, when the uh, rules allowed. Uh, he's already got them available in my class and they're included with my price. So oh. I can go back and retake it. I can, in fact, uh, renew my license uh, at no charge because the, the FAA is making it free online. And then I can just add those additional items to my my license. And it's great. And, and I will also mention this is kind of a, a, a review thing. There was a section on weather on his training that I didn't do well in on the test, the first test I took. So this was early on the training. <laughs> you do know rain comes out of clouds. <laughs> and I just, there was a lot of technical questions about weather that, you know, do you, I'm sorry. Even the weathermen don't do weather well. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. You know, it's like, here's my thing. If you're going to go fly and you hold your hand out and it's raining, you go back in your car and you drive home. I think that's pretty much the, did, the lesson you learn there. Did they but, ask you uh, how to, uh, decode METAR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can nail it now. It's great because I actually had my kids uh, in the car, you know, when I was just practicing. I'd say, okay, look up, you know, I'd give them an airport code and say, look at the, the METAR for that. They just read off the numbers and letters and I could decipher it. And it's, it's like Morse code, you know, you got to learn the, the, the language. Uh, but the training for the weather, I didn't do well on the test. And what's nice about his classes is that for each lesson and each test, you can leave comments and you can see what other people have said about the test or about the, the class. And and a lot of people were, were I don't want to say complaining, but were having issues with it. And sure enough, he went and changed the video oh. because he listened to his, you know, 
his customers and he updated it. So I think that's great. I mean, he's he's very quick to follow along. In fact, I actually sent an email to him uh, asking a question. Really don't remember what it was, but I think within two or three days, I got a response. I think oh, it was cool. probably two days, I and mean, maybe on a weekend, so I can't hold them for that. Yeah. And it's nice. It was a personal response, and uh, that's how that's how much I I am going to suggest or recommend the Pilot Institute. Hmm. What's the your, What's the link for that? PilotInstitute.com. Hmm. Enter promo code RC Roundtable, and they'll charge you fifteen percent more. And I. We haven't really talked about it. I have not used my Part 107 yet, but I'm glad I got it. And I, you know, one reason I did is because my son actually does have a Mavic Mini. And now that I'm with him and we're at a place where we're using it, technically, because I'm the remote pilot in command, you can have someone else actually at the controls as long as they're as a remote pilot in command running the event or, you know, the course, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. So it would be legal. You're responsible for what happens, but you don't necessarily have to be on the sticks. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's a good feeling. So okay. anyway, if you guys are looking to that, if you have any questions about the Part 107, uh, not much to talk about yet because I haven't gone to the new courses to learn about the changes from the FAA, but I will probably update that in you know a couple of weeks when I take it, and I'll, I'll let you all know what I, what I learn. Or if any of you out there have used an online course to get your 107, whether it's one we've talked about here or some other one, let us know. We'll spread there the gospel. Go. There you go. Yeah, tell them, tell them RC Roundtable sent you and just see what they say. <laughs> 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 see if we get some email back. Hey, <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> who are you guys? <laughs> uh, but speaking of who are you guys? Use Carrie, guys. It's use, use guys. guys. Hey, you guys. What have you been doing? Since we last were on air on YouTube, it was over a week ago, wasn't it? Uh, was it? Gosh. Yeah, probably was. Um, I've been... been f- Terry? I went flying. Did you? Yeah, I've been flying a few times, actually. In the and, snow? Uh, yeah. Well, yesterday was in the snow. Um, prior to that was patchy snow. But, uh, you know, the weather is just kind of crummy up here this time of year. But I lucked out last weekend and this weekend... It was cold, like uh, yesterday, I think the high was 24 or 25, but the sun came out and there was no wind, and it's downright pleasant to fly in those conditions. So I went out, gosh, I guess it was three times between these last two weekends, and I put in a bunch of flights on that Flex Innovations Piranha. And the Piranha, the Piranha. yellow Yeah, and I've been having a ball with that thing, and I can tell you about it if you want. Oh yeah, tell us the watts because that was was that was some hilarious oh. text we were exchanging back and forth. Okay, so let's backtrack a little bit on the Piranha. This is one of their new 6S models, so it uses a it's a flying wing with a single mo- electric motor, and it uses a six cell, fifteen hundred milliamp hour lipo, which just is so off nominal from what we're used to for this sort of plane you would usually think a three cell maybe a four cell but anyway um it all works the plane is two pounds and a few ounces i forget exactly what it is but the power system and a static test and there's probably some cavitation going on here blah 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 815 watts whoa let me say that again for the people in the back two pounds 815 watts (laughs) 400 watts a pound 
Uh, something like that. I mean, it's a now, little bit ish. less. But, now, know, a lot yeah. of that is is pitch speed. So, are you? Could yeah, you literally just let it out of your hand and it'll take off? Is it got n- enough thrust? N- no, because it's a square prop. So that's what I was talking about before. It's probably cavitating when it's static and you know, uh, yeah, but still stalled eight, a little bit. Eight, two pounds, eight hundred something watts. I'm still thinking you could let go of that thing and go. I'm gonna say a good hundred and fifty watts is noise. Somebody, when we did that live show and we were talking a little bit about it, they were talking about the launch mode and they were exactly right. There's a little launch mode in there. You'd put the sticks in a certain orientation and basically it puts it in a self-leveling mode during the launch. And then once it's in the air and you touch the right stick again, it disables from that. So that's really helpful. Basically. I need a switch like that to get myself up in the morning. Yeah. Right. So, so what does it do in the launch mode? Does it just give an extra up elevator or something? Well, it's self-leveling. So the model has a hand grip built in on the bottom. And the idea there, and what it says in the manual, is you launch it with power off, and then you immediately put power on and uh, go flying. Hmm. But um, on Flux Innovation's website, they have a video, and they're talking about, don't do it like that. Use this launch assist, and you launch full power. You grab it by one of the wingtips, not a wingtip, but a, a leading edge near the fuselage. And you just kind of push it forward, slightly nose up. And the stabilization will keep the wings level and the nose up. But you're already launching under full power. So you're not in a rush to get back on the sticks. You can let it go indefinitely. It's going to climb and, and keep flying wings level until you touch that right stick oh, again. that's kind of neat. Yeah. That's when it disengages the assist. So oh, okay. that's been a real boon to me. Um, it, I have no stress launching this thing. Whereas before, I was thinking, "Gosh, how am I going to throw this thing hard enough to, to, yeah, to get back on?" You know, I've launched flying wings before and stuff, but well, I know you've always had a cringe moment when I used to hand launch that evader. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's usually only the first couple of times. Once you know what to expect, it's a different story. But you know, those first launches are—it's a—it's a guess and. It's going somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Either into the ground yeah. or into the sky. So anyway, that's a, a nice feature of this airplane. And it's uh, kind of middle, uh, I can't say middle of the road. It's what you would expect from an airplane with this much power. It's fast, but it's not pylon racer fast, but it's fast. Uh, it has good visibility. It's very aerobatic. There are basically three flight modes. It's got that gyro built into it and you can do some manipulation of that. But essentially there are three flight modes. And two of those I would use most of the time. Uh, it's a low rate with the gyro enabled and a high rate with the gyro enabled. And this gyro is not auto leveling. It's just, I would think it's like AS3X. It just soothes out the bumps. Yeah, dampening. Yeah. So, and that's another thing. On another show, we need to revisit the difference between AS3X and SAFE because mm-hmm. uh, Sparky called us out on it. He said he still has trouble understanding those differences. So, We'll devote some time to that in an upcoming episode. Uh, but basically, in this low-rate mode, it's smooth, it's fast, it's aerobatic, it can do rolls and loops and all that stuff. And then on the high-rate mode, it is insane. I, I don't know what other word to use, but you do a full deflection roll with any kind of speed on the high-rate mode, mm. it just it becomes a blur in the sky. The wingtips just disappear. And you better hope it's upright when you stop rolling. <laughs> yeah, you're glad it's yellow and not gray, right? Exactly. And you can do these square vertical maneuvers. Go horizontally and just yank the, the stick back and just boom. Next thing you know, it's vertical. 
it would be fun if you could paint the wing such that when you roll it, it has like a, uh, a pictogram or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some sort of image <laughs> that yeah. you can't tell unless you're rolling. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let you do that. <laughs> anyway, it's fun. And you know, here's the thing. You're, you're thinking 800 watts on a 15 uh, milliamp hour, 1500 milliamp hour battery, you're going to fly for like 30 seconds. But no, I'm getting five plus minutes with this thing. I think they tell you to set your timer for four or four and a half minutes, um, but I've uh, I've been getting more than that out of it. Well, it's because of the voltage, right? You're running a six cell, right? Isn't it? It's six, yeah, it's six cell, so and so the amps aren't crazy. There, so I think it's like volts. Yeah, I think it's like thirty-five amps or something like that so at full throttle static. So oh, and with a high pitch prop like that, it's a six and a half inch diameter by six and a half inch pitch. So it's going to yeah. unload a lot more than a normal prop in flight. So I think in-flight so, amp draw is probably considerably less. That's roughly about 36 amps. Right. I just did a quick calculation there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not bad. Not well, bad. while you were calculating, I actually said it. So. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was busy calculating. I didn't hear you. <laughs> that's what I figured. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, it, um, it's fun. And, uh, again, I don't have any stress with it. I was kind of wondering what this kind of power was going to manifest itself as in a flying wing but no it's you can fly it smoothly if you want to you can fly it like a crazy person if you want to it, it does all of that and you know it has the built-in lights but i haven't really used any of that yet i've been flying it during the daytime um, and i don't really see myself flying it at night with lights on maybe at dusk or something before it's fully dark but to me, this is not the kind of airplane you fly in full dark. Well, did you test it at dark to see how bright it was, or is it just uh, only in my workshop? And it's not. It's like a strip of lights down the fuselage, and then one in each wing. So it's not crazy bright. So, and considering the performance of it, I don't think I would be comfortable flying it at night. But I'm sure somebody would. So, what's the uh, skill level you would recommend for this? Um, I would say intermediate. I mean. If it's in high rate mode, advanced, but it's certainly capable of being flown by intermediate pilots. With that gyro in there, it's it'll hold your hand. So I'm not usually crazy about gyros in planes, but I think this is an example where a gyro has a true benefit for all skill levels. And it's uh, well implemented in this model. Hmm. Any many mods that you'd recommend? Any changes? Uh, <laughs> only for me personally. So what the real question you're asking is, how many holes did I drill in this airplane? <laughs> is it now Swiss cheese? Uh, no, not really. It's But it's got a few holes in it. You want to guess? Come on, guess. Four. Darn it, you're good. Yeah, I drilled four holes for mounting cameras. So I've got uh, some wingtip footage, some nose-looking-back footage, and some tail-looking-forward footage. Now, I used my Insta360 Go, which is that little one-ounce uh, high-def camera that I've been toying with. So I got some decent footage, and I got some crappy footage, and uh, I had spent the afternoon putting some of that together. But the airplane doesn't even know that it's there. Like, I could not tell. And uh, had fun with it. And I landed it on the snow, which is also fun. Now, I should point out that... Um, you know, it's a six and a half, six and a half prop, which is probably not something you're going to find at the local hobby shop. So somebody who's interested in this plane, when you order the model, order some extra propellers as well. Mm. Just because, you know, it's a belly flopper. You're going to break one every now and then. 
which I have done. I did brick one of the propellers, and um, I didn't have any spares at the time, so I swapped it with uh, the closest I had was a Master Air Screw six and a half by four and a half. But even with two inches less pitch, it's still fast. It still has unlimited vertical. It's still a great all-around airplane. Do you so. think you could put like a seven four on it, just for giggles? Uh, I'm sure you could do some experimenting with it. I have not. Uh, I haven't changed diameters, but yeah, I'm sure you could play around with the propeller size and maybe fine tune it a little bit. If you wanted it, if you wanted the top end a little less and maybe a little bit more punch, um, yeah, okay, like any other model. I'm going to take you all off to the side for a second because you're mentioning propeller. It's <laughs> a quick little segue. We'll come right back. But in our last video live show, we had a giveaway. And your question for the giveaway contest, Terry, was what's your favorite prop? But yeah. I think it kind of relates to what you said because our winner, uh, Devin Hudson, who won an AMA mug, his comment was favorite propeller, any decent one I can quickly get in the right size. I'm always breaking belly lander props and I hate waiting on the slow boat from China. Yep. <laughs> so you're, you're right. Your PSA is if you buy a plane like this, make sure you get extra props. You'd hate to be out at the field flying this and, you know, something happening. We all know about broken props, right, Fitz? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, too well. Foreshadowing. <laughs> so, um, so, oh, I also forgot to mention, it's got the air brake feature. I think we talked about that uh, in a previous, previous episode. Um, basically, you can enable this feature that when you back off the throttle, both rudders turn inward just to add drag. And I wasn't sure what it was good for, but now I use that every time I'm landing. Because it's a pretty clean airplane, and it doesn't slow down that quickly. But I just click on the air brake, and when I power off, it slows down quickly, and but still has good control. So, very handy feature. So it makes a noticeable difference? Yeah, definitely. And it's neat because it's proportional to the throttle position. So when you enable the air brake, if you're at full throttle, it doesn't do anything. And then if you're at half throttle, they come in halfway. I don't know if it's linear like that, but it's... You know, some sort of relationship and then when you're all the way off both rotors are fully in and yeah that sucker slows down neat yeah and yes fits this flying wing will do a knife edge all right i don't know what it's flying on but it's flying on something <laughs> it, it shouldn't it, yeah so there's very little vertical surface here but it, whatever there's there is enough and uh, yeah, it'll knife edge and either wow. side. There's a little bit of coupling, but it'll do it. The magical knife edge. Yeah, it'll do inverted flat spins. I haven't been able to do upright flat spins. I think maybe the rudders are blanked out when it's upright. Oh, yeah. But uh, uh, inverted, it'll do flat spins. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just having a lot of fun exploring it and getting uh, all sorts of, I don't know, uh, spoiled on power now. This is going to be my new expectation for every model. Was that the only plane you brought with you this weekend? Uh, no, but let me wrap up the Piranha. That is also going to be a review and model aviation. So I'll have my usual video and written article with that whenever the time comes. Yeah. So the other model that I took yesterday was da, 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 my Great Plains Electric Hub. Electric Hub. You wiped the dust yeah. off of it, huh? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, how much dust came off of that? We probably could have weighed that. <laughs> a lot. It hasn't been flown in quite a while. I can't even remember the last time I flew it. But uh, I guess I was thinking about flying it last winter because I had put some Dubro skis on it. 
And that's where it was yesterday. I was kind of looking around my shop for something else I could take. I'm like, oh, I need to fly that one. And I had to change the transmitter because I used to fly it on one of my tactic transmitters, which I gave away. It still has the tactic receiver in it, though. But my high-tech uh, Flash 8, yeah, Flash 8, it is compatible with those tactic receivers. So I bound it to that, got it set up. What was that? Oh, my phone. Sorry. I... Someone who didn't <laughs> mute his phone. <laughs> sorry. Now we're going to start all over. <laughs> Hi, this is Lee, Terry, and Fitz. Oh, Here's the table got podcast. audio channels. <laughs> I can mute that channel. <laughs> sorry. All right, so I'll, I'll just rewind a few seconds. Anyway, so I bound the model to my high-tech Flash 8, which is compatible with tactic transmitters, or tactic receivers, excuse me. Mm. And so I got it all set up, and it had a funny thing happen in the shop where... I was setting up the rates and the directions and all that. And after a couple minutes, it quit responding and the light on the receiver started flashing. I'm like, huh, that's weird because the battery wasn't dead or anything like that. And so I reset it and everything started working right away. And so I just kind of ignored it. And then it happened again. And both times it was five or six minutes after having plugged it in. So I couldn't find anything that was warm or not working right. And then I would reset it and then just start cycling the servers like crazy trying to load up the BEC and I couldn't make it fail when I wanted to so like any smart engineering person would do I said it's going to get better in the air <laughs> and so I I ignored it and I took it to the field and spoiler alert it never failed when I was flying it but I oh. took it out to the field and it was great because we got some snow Friday night and this was Saturday afternoon. There was this nice blanket of unmolested snow all across the field. It was just perfect. And this thing slides so nicely on the skis. And mine is not overpowered like yours. Both of you have overpowered cubs. Mine is actually probably a little bit underpowered. But it's just, it, it takes off and flies like a cub should. It's very docile. It's very slow. And yesterday was just a breath of wind and nice sunshine and I can't tell you how much fun Mark went with me. We had so much fun just watching this thing fly around and scoot off the snow and doing all these touch and goes. And it was really nice. I got some video of it and uh, I'll try to put it up soon. But that's the first time I've flown this model off of skis. And <laughs> Did you spell words great. in the snow? <laughs> <laughs> Boobies. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have to edit that one, but that's funny. Yeah. That's a good idea, though. And then uh, shoot some aerial of it. Yeah. yeah uh, can you just, can you spell out RC Roundtable? Oh, probably <laughs> not. There's your uh, challenge. Right. But I had a really good time with it. You know, the Piranha was fun, but the Cub was just relaxing and, and so much fun is the only word for it. Just uh, I forgot what a good airplane it is. And uh, we had a ball with it. And Mark took his Origin Funter, which used to be my airplane. He got it from me... Uh, last year and converted it into a night flyer but i had flown it off the snow when it was mine and he brought it yesterday and was flying it off the snow and if you're not familiar with that airplane it's kind of like a big easy star that has a pusher motor behind the wing and then uh, this one's four channel but uh, it's just kind of that layout and so you can just slide it on the belly and it'll take off we had a ton of fun flying that thing off the snow too just doing touch and go after touch and go and just sliding around and doing donuts in the snow, just all kinds of fun donuts. stuff. <laughs> yeah, and cool again. If, for those of you out there who have never flown off of snow, it's really fun. 
And uh, yeah, yesterday's weather conditions were perfect. So I was sad because when I was preparing to leave, I looked at the weather. I'm like, okay, it's going to be low 20s. I'm going to be freezing my fanny off. I probably won't stay long. So I just packed my batteries for the Piranha and I didn't take a charger. I'm thinking I'll just use what I've got and that'll be it. And I took one battery for the Cub, although I get a lot of flight time out of it. But man, once we were there, I wasn't getting cold that much and... I ran out of batteries before I ran out of fun. So, there's your lesson: always take a charger. I guess so. Yeah, I actually keep one in my car, a small one. Just, oh, it's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. So, Terry, I'm guessing did you did you have fun? <laughs> it sounds like you had fun. Sounds you like sure you had a terrible fun? time. <laughs> it was okay. No, this is good. This is. I mean, it's Terry was telling us he wanted to tell us about his weekend, and they definitely had a, a win scenario. Yeah, fun in the yeah, snow, for sure. And you guys had sent me a picture earlier from your flying experience, and the flag was standing straight out, and it was cloudy. So I'm like, oh, I actually like this better. <laughs> so it's not often that I would say I prefer weather in January over you guys, but yesterday was the exception. Hmm. So that leads us into where were you guys yesterday? Nowhere. Go ahead, Fitz. Huh? You you tell a story. It's your turn. My turn. That was your turn. No, I talked part 107. Terry talked his big, smiley, happy face flying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could draw a happy face next time. Yeah, there you go. I have to there do touch go. and goes, though. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> a rudder turn and a touch and go. It'll there be squinty. Yeah. Yeah, squinty. So, Lee invited me to go with him to go flying at a very new field out somewhere out in an undisclosed location. And uh, and we decided to, to pack up some planes. And despite the weather being a little bit uh, iffy, especially in the morning, uh, we headed out and uh, we had a pretty good time. Like you said, it was quite windy, but it wasn't too bad. And it was kind of murky. Uh, we had... we. Had a couple of showers that passed through, light, very light misting, but not too bad. Uh, but we ended up having a really nice day. I brought out my shock cub, uh, just a 40cc powered big uh, stall cub, and Lee got some stick time on it. I did. And with that wind that Terry was alluding to earlier, <laughs> takeoffs were two feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even no flap takeoffs were really No quick. flaps, exactly. I was going to mention that. No flap takeoffs, two feet. And you've got the slats locked down now? Yes, I locked them back down. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was. Oh, I don't know if I told you, Lee, uh, Terry. I was telling Lee that uh, I have a, a, an old friend of mine, another a fellow Riddle alum who's an aerospace engineer. And uh, latent modeler. Let me let me just preface here. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. Yeah, we get a nerd (laughs) alert. (laughs) But Terry will appreciate this. Apparently, more than Lee will, (laughs) or Lee did. (laughs) Uh, So I was telling him about the the shot cub and stole and uh, slats on it, and uh, I was asking him some questions, and he goes, "Well, why don't you send me some of the dimensions and parameters of the slats, and I'll run it through a computational fluid dynamics analysis." Uh, aka the cfd and i said sure and so i sent him some pictures and some measurements and a couple days later he sent me some graphs and uh pretty pictures and stuff to give him because i was experimenting with the slats at different positions i wanted to get his take on 
what he thought what might be the most efficient positions. And he had a really interesting take. He says uh, the slats locked down the way they were is pretty much the most efficient position for stall flying the way they were. He said they were, you could move them in a little bit, would be a little better uh, um, horizontally if you just slid them in a little bit, but that's kind of not able to do that very easily. Uh, but for, for the most part, he said it was really pretty good. Uh, so really moving them any other way other than the way they are is actually hurting your efficiency. So the way they're, they come linked in stock is you have a servo that can move them up and down, kind of pivot. And so that's actually making the situation worse. <laughs> well, you found that out. Yeah, I found that out, yeah, by empirical testing, yes, flight testing and that kind of stuff. So, And I wanted his take. So um, the only thing I could do is maybe redo the mounts and move them a little closer to the wing. Um, and that might help a little bit, but he said it wasn't a big deal. So I thought it was pretty interesting. So, hmm. What kind of precision are we talking about here? It's like if you're at 22.1 degrees, it's this, but if you're at 0.16 degrees, it's this. I can't remember, but I know it was fairly precise. I think he was only talking, you know, a, f a, a few millimeters or something like that. Hmm. No difference. Okay. 10 millimeters, something like that. I can't remember. It wasn't very big. It wasn't very much. I and mean, it was it was very minimal stuff. He says it, you, know, you could make an improvement, but it was very little change. Hmm. Okay. So it was neat to have him sort of collaborate what I was experiencing. Did he through math? If, right. Did he evaluate if they were off completely? No. And the world plane doesn't have them off. So why would you take them off? I don't know, just the, you're talking about science and data and oh, nerds. But it would look weird. <laughs> if, you, if you replace the slats with bananas. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you replace them with Folgers crystals, then it might. Like, I've given you seven different items to attach to the leading edge of your plane. Yes. The slats are the most effective. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyways, uh, we had a good time. Lee brought out a couple of his planes. He brought out, uh, I guess you can talk about Lee. Yeah, I brought out my Flightworks Red Bull P-38 Lightning, and I brought out my wonderful E-Flight Timber X, and both did pretty well in the wind, but I will say, uh, as Terry had uh, had mentioned, I think, when we were on the drive up there, that, yes, it, they were very flexy wings. The Flightworks yeah. flapper. <laughs> you did a, I think you did sort of a, um, a split S into the wind, high speed, and I saw those wings really, really flex. Quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I was like imitating a, a gold wing for a moment. Yeah, uh, P38 was flexing pretty good. <laughs> but no, I mean it handled fine. I had I had a blast, smile on my face, landed yeah. on all three gear, and it was windy. It was what do you think, uh, 15 gusting 20? Uh, probably 20 gusting 25 or 30. <laughs> okay, wow. so it was. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, it, it kind of. It was raining on me when I was flying the Timber X, and you guys were like, okay, Lee, it's time to come in, because <laughs> I was out flying by myself. But, oh, that Timber X is such a great plane. If anybody is, like, on the fence about buying it, you're done. Just go buy it. It's such a great go-to plane. And yeah. in the new uh, SS Ray uh, aircraft carrier, <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> I'm alluding to my new vehicle. I, I purchased a new car the day before. Uh, I traded in my old Suburban for a brand new one, and I was able to put both of the P-38 and the Timber-X assembled into my Suburban. And my Cub. And his, and his Cub with room to spare. Yeah, I assume <laughs> the internal volume is similar to your old one. 
It's actually more now. Really? It's amazing. They yeah, made it bigger? It's bigger. It's better. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I was... Uh, I was. Uh, we had a good time. It was a great ride. I mean, Fitz was pushing every button he could find on the dash. More <laughs> so, buttons. What's his button? Yeah. Do? <laughs> All that was missing was him like talking to my car. Said hello, car. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want to go, Mister Ray? Uh, but uh, yeah, we. So the the field we were alluding to is a uh, uh, TBA to be announced uh, location. Uh, we're privy to the construction of it, and we will certainly provide more details soon. But I'm kind of just putting you guys, you know, the bug in your ear that uh, Fitz and I were invited to to be a part of this and, uh, you know, test the field out, as it were. And I got to test. Hey, Fitz, this is curious. Is Was that the first time someone's flown that shot cub besides you? Yes. You were the first one other than me. Yep. Yeah, so does that happen though? Do you have planes that you have that you rarely let other people fly? Because I, I got the reason I'm leading to this is that when I was flying the Cub, Fitz was behind me, but he seemed actually kind of giddy because he was taking pictures of it and stuff. And I think it was like out of place for him to see someone else flying his planes. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is kind of rare for someone else to fly my planes. I don't, not a whole lot of people. You, you're, you and Terry are really one of the few people that fly my planes. Well, there was a couple of times when I was doing these, uh, you know, tail wa- tail turns, uh, stall stall turns, and I think Fitz was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> Maybe I could hear him breathing behind me. But no, no, it's all good. I know you had it. It's, it's easy plane to fly. I just, hey Terry, I just want you to know my landing was much better than his second one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my last landing was kind of bouncy. Well, I didn't use flaps, and so I was kind of playing around with some of the landing techniques, and uh, it didn't work out as well as I thought it would. Yeah, with well, a 20-mile-an-hour wind, who needs flaps? Yeah. Oh, you don't. Yeah, I didn't even touch them at all. Oh, did and you see what I, I got to fly backwards? I did, yeah. Yeah. And so here's the other thing. I, I, I did my little uh, thumbs-up for the Timber X. I'm definitely going to do a thumbs-up on the shotgun. I had a blast oh, flying it. Glad you liked it. It was very easy. I think all anyway, – the only thing I had to change on Fitz's transmitter was a little up-trim for me. But it was really? – it penetrated well through that wind and, I mean – I didn't do any knife edges, but I did a, I did a one roll maybe. I did a lot of turns, tight turns. Um, you're right; it needs rudder in the turns, but it's a very good flying airplane. And for you know not having flown something that like that in a while, it was no no problem whatsoever. Easy to fly. And what did you say, uh, Fitz? You said it's like because of its all its mass, you know, it's got slower momentum. Yeah, it's got momentum to it. Maybe a little bit of a pendulum effect. It, it definitely has its own unique feel to it when you're flying it. Yeah, it never felt out of control. It never felt like I was hands-on trying to control where it was going. It was very stable. Is it aerobatic? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, mildly. Uh, you know. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say 3D plane, but, you know. You can loop it. Roll you it. it. Inverted. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can okay. loop roll, inverted, stall turns, kind of scalish kind of stuff. So okay. let's let's talk about the minor problem you have with the first flight, because this is a PSA moment. Oh, yeah. So... The first flight, I was flying around, having a good time. Suddenly, the engine just quits. Dead. Cold. So I had to land on a dead stick. And, and this thought, one doesn't have an onboard starter. No, Yeah. <laughs> no onboard starter. But I thought it was odd because it's a twin cylinder engine in it. Oh, so right. I was like, right. wait a minute. If it stopped cold like that. And I had just I'd only been flying for a couple of minutes, so it certainly couldn't have run out of fuel. Uh, and so there must be something upstream that's the problem because uh, even, you know, one cylinder can go out; it'll still run, presumably. So, uh, so when I brought it back in, it did stick just fine, uh, and I couldn't get it to start again. 
it just it just wouldn't crank up. Well, that's odd. As I thought, well, you know, let me let me cycle the ignition switch a couple of times. And I did that, and when I did that, it started up again. I was like, uh-huh. I think I might have a ignition switch that's cutting. It has a switch on the side for the ignition to turn it on and off. So right. I'm thinking, oh, okay, so maybe there's an issue with that switch. I don't think it was a brand-new switch when I put it in. I think it's a when I just pulled out of the parts box. So It's like a typical radio switch. Yeah, it looks just like a radio switch. Yeah. I have two switches, one for the radio, which I know is brand new, but the but the one for the ignition wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, it, or it's, it needs, I don't even know, it may not be heavy duty. Uh, I had to double check. But anyways, that switch was suspect. And I was about to put it away for the day and a little bit of rain was coming. And then it kind of cleared up and Lee gave me the idea, says, hey, can you bypass the switch to get your ignition running? And I thought about it. It's like, you know, I don't know. Let me look at the wiring. I haven't looked at the wiring in a while. So, but it turns out, yes, I could. The way I was wired up, I could. I, I, I was able to unplug it, and I was able to bypass the switch. The only thing is I'd have to use the receiver battery as the on-off switch. So I, when I plugged in the receiver battery, then it, everything would turn on. And it cranked right up. And I said, well, hey, well, bypass the switch. Don't worry about it quitting again. Does the receiver battery power the ignition? What's that? Does the receiver battery power the ignition? Receiver power. Yes. It's, I'm using a single volt, um, single source. How do you want to say it? Everything runs off of a two cell lithium. So everything is high voltage in the servos, gotcha. receiver, uh, okay. the ignition module. It's real nice. It's all, so I just have one big battery pack that runs everything. Yeah. No regulators or anything. Okay. Uh, all right. Carry so, on. Sorry. So once that worked, I said, I just handed the transmitter to the lease. I said, there you go. Have fun. And he flew it, and then I flew it again after he did, kind of, which where I had those ter- terrible, bouncy landings. But the landing <laughs> gear is neat because it's chop absorbing landing gear, so kind of it's neat to see it kind of bounce around and absorb the harshness. I don't, I don't know if it was, <laughs> it was kind of fun or not. <laughs> I, I was making funny faces. <laughs> it's all good. Is that why they call it a shock cub? Serious question. Maybe because it's got it does have these big. Um, flash or storage kind of long landing gear with shock absorbing so hmm. okay so but I hadn't flown the plane in quite a while actually I think so it was neat to kind of bring it out again and fly it around some alright well good congratulations to both of you yeah we had a you good day guys. Yeah, turned out to be a good... decent day I actually flew yesterday hey. t- no today today Sunday I went out I had to meet somebody at the flying field so I took out a couple of planes even though today's conditions was actually seems to be worse as far as wind wise oh what'd you fly today uh i flew the little e-flight uh, a10 the 64 millimeter and oh. my helicopter and uh that a10 did really good in the wind just, yeah i would think so it just it's sliced right through it it was really good yeah. until well, i landed of success planes yeah it did really uh, just felt really good i guess it's got the a3x so it kind of smooths out any perturbations um, the only problem is when I landed, I was taxiing back and I was on grass. And I kind of, I guess I hit a bump and the tail popped up and the wind caught it and flipped it over. Oh. Yeah. So I had to re-glue one of the weapon mounts and part. the tail got knocked loose a little bit, but uh, it's okay. So. All right. Cool. Now, when you said you had to meet somebody at the field, that sounds like wheeling and dealing. Do we get to hear what you brought home? Actually, I went there to give somebody something. Oh, so, okay. Have I talked about the B-17 project? The huge one? Yeah. 
Yes, you were doing some details for it, 3D printing some yeah, details. Yeah, I was doing yeah, some yeah. 3D printing, so I printed off a bunch of parts, and I needed to hand them off to the, the other guy so he can integrate them into the model. So I the printer has been running pretty much the whole week, printing all the cockpit details. Hmm. So pretty much finished the cockpit stuff, and so I was just looking at now, I think the various machine guns that may be next. i got to work on the nose. Oh, that reminds me, Lee, I think you had some really nice pictures you took when we flew on Ye Old Pub. Yeah, it, not a lot. Is, is it possible I could get a couple of pictures from you? Of the interior? Interior, oh. interior. Uh, you took some nice ones of the nose, I think, the bombardier area. Oh, yeah, I have a really nice wide-angle shot in there. Yeah, I'd love to have those for reference. Okay. I will meet you at the flying field. And you off a flash, and you off a flash drive. Bring the shot cup. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> one flight on the shot club, one flash drive. All right, good quote pro. I like that. I didn't fly today, but I was in the workshop today with Austin. Uh-huh. We were on a, we were on a mission from God. Uh oh, you had your sunglasses uh, on. I had a had a I had my safety glasses on, and I had my mask on because. I was high as a kite in my garage. It's a little cold today. I don't know if you agree. Oh, it tell was... me about it, Lee. How cold okay. was it? <laughs> okay, you're obviously not going to paint, <laughs> so shut up. <laughs> but here in Texas, uh, I was I uh, put a couple of heaters in the garage and some little fans to ventilate. But uh, Austin and I got uh, aggressive. We basically committed to working on his 337. Oh, that, uh, I said three three seven. I can't believe I've said that. I'm in the Grand Cruiser. Yeah, that's, oh, that's what you meant. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I did kick my three three seven today accidentally, and I apologize to it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we're we're doing a you know sanding it up and primering it. I actually also was working on my Kyosho T thirty three. So I have my first uh, first coat of sandable primer on the fuselage. So I'll put that on there, sand it, do one more coat, sand it with the wet sand that, and then put a uh, a satin finish to seal it because I'm making this as the T thirty three that Graben flew, and oh, it was all primer, yeah. And so I'm you know again I'm on a roll. So I did a lot of painting in the garage, and Austin did a lot of work on his Grand Cruiser. Did you do you still have your Grand Cruiser uh, fits or did you sell it? Uh, I sold it. Uh, Jeff has it now. Okay, uh, so it'd be neat though because Austin and I will both have one, and mm. we are planning to have it done by next weekend, which will be the Northwest RC swap meet. So on February thirteenth, Saturday at the Northwest Houston RC Club out near Waller, Texas, mm. and we'll add a flyer if I haven't already to our RC Roundtable Facebook page. We will be out there, uh, maybe selling a couple of things, but actually planning to just get, do some flying together. So is it a, a also a fun fly event or it is also a fun fly? Oh, it is okay, and I believe it's five dollars a car. I think to so it's fly to you. It's five dollars a car to come in. Oh, and so, gotcha. And I don't think there's any fee to have a swap table. So you just basically park and oh, you know do whatever you want. I'll you know, try parking to... lot or under the canopy. I'll try to make it up. I hope you do. You are invited. Oh, thank you. As long as you pay five dollars. Okay. Oh, <laughs> dang it. So yeah, we'll be out there. So, anybody else got anything coming up? Um, I'm trying to feel around for the swap meets around here to see if they're going to happen this year. They were all canceled last year, so um, 
I asked on Facebook yesterday about the one in Canandaigua, which is the one I like to go to. And so we'll see about that. And if it's going to happen, I intend to get out there. And other than that, I'm just keeping my eyes open for opportunities. We'll see. What what about indoor events for you, Terry? I'm not aware of any. Oh. I, get, I was kind of thinking with the cold, you guys probably find indoor stuff to do. I would, yeah, I would like to because I talked several episodes back about the facility that the Parks Department opened up here for us in the fall for indoor flying, and that was great. And mm-hmm. so my first thought when it was over, like, hey, this is what we need in the winter when it's too nasty outside. But they uh, apparently indoor soccer is a big thing in the winter, and they indoor there's soccer? a lot more of them than there are of us. Yeah, yeah don't, don't upset the soccer moms, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> you, need, you need to find an indoor event and just bring the piranha with you. <laughs> but you were talking about indoor um our buddy uh, richard was trying to get me to go to the tiny event indoor flying it's uh beginning of next month where is it it's like somewhere out in west texas angelo that's at san angelo oh yeah yeah okay yeah, I've never... doesn't gary jones uh, i don't know if he runs it but he's usually there yeah he's usually there and I know it's a really big event and really, really nice facilities. I've never been there, but I actually am seriously thinking about going to it this time. Okay. Well, I'm looking at their website, mm. which is AngeloRC.com. And it says AngeloRC is proud to present the 15th annual Texas Indoor New Year's Fly-In, March 5th, 6th, and 7th. There you go. That's yeah. New Year's? Well, New the year's? New Year. It just says New Year's. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Chinese it's, it's, New Year? It's not February. It's March 5th, 6th, and 7th. <laughs> Chinese New Year, <laughs> pretty close. Iranian New Year. No I'm just telling you what it says here. <laughs> you can <laughs> call their webmaster <laughs> and tell them hey, to change it. What happened to that indoor thing they were trying to start up in? Uh, uh, where was it? Over near you guys. I'm blind. <laughs> well, there's one near me. You mean the guy I know? I was it me? forget where it was. Baytown, maybe? Yeah, there was to... one. There's a guy in Baytown um, that was, he had ran three or four sessions and then COVID hit. And so that it's at a school. So it's oh, basically gotcha. okay. uh, out of the question until everything opens up again. Um, but yeah, yeah, he, that was a fairly nice facilities and he was running them infrequently every once in a while. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a while. I need to ping him again. But, yeah. uh, uh, yeah, I, I tried to make that one. I've been there a couple times at least. All right, cool. This is a nice, nice. Yeah, it would have been perfect around this time of year, but uh, the 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 as they call it, is gets in the way of everything. Yeah. So, all right. So, did you mention any upcoming events for you, Lee? Oh no, just the swap meet. That's all I have right now. Right. The summer is up in the air. We're Hoping to take a trip to uh, Buffalo. Oh, Buffalo. Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what was <laughs> I thinking? Uh, Muncie, Indiana. I would love to take the kids to the AMA camp, uh, but I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but the dates we announced on our AMA takeover was in July. The website was wrong. It's in June. And that kind of changes things because my son actually is not going to be old enough in June. For the AMA camp, so I have got to decide what we're going to do. However, we have already purchased our tickets for da, 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 Air Venture, or also known as Oshkosh, oh, really? 
because this might be the last time with Austin that we could be able to go up there as a family without band and all that jazz. Uh, and in fact, I think he's going to miss one week of band, and he said he was okay with that. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, if anything, the the one big trip we'll take this year will be to Wisconsin to take part in Air Venture. And uh, if I'm not sure if we mentioned it before, this year kids are free. So, oh, neat. So I, I, you know, for what I paid to get tickets, if for some reason I can't go, I feel comfortable sending that as a donation to the EAA because, you know, they lost all their money last year for, you know, what they use that money for. It's not just for, you know, the show, but they do a lot of stuff for kids. Uh, what's the the Eagle, Young Eagle Project, correct? Young uh, Eagles, yeah. Young Eagles, yeah. Yeah, so that's, you know, some of that money goes there. Um, you know, they have to keep the facility running so they can have it in the future. So, as I said, it's a great donation if I can't go. So, I'm, I'm hoping things get better uh, health-wise, COVID-wise, so we can all stretch our legs, <laughs> hug people, shake hands maybe. <laughs> I'd like, like to think we can go back to that, you know, hopefully someday soon. Uh, but we'll see. And I'll, I'll sure I'll keep up with you guys once I have firm plans and, you know, uh, I guess I'll throw this in there. Guys, uh, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, that if that's the case, best will take place this year, October 2021. Okay. You heard and it here. I am I am saying that. Best will take place because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it happen. Somewhere, some way, there's going to be a best. <laughs> Meet me at the corner at the Circle K it's Saturday. Set for the first weekend in October? First weekend in October. So go ahead and put it on your calendar. I'd love to have at least 50 pilots there if we get it going. So uh, best, guys, it's, we've talked about it. If you're a listener of the show, you know it's all about. Best electrics in South Texas. Uh, amazing uh, get-together of electric aircraft. Any size. <laughs> all electric. <laughs> you can have them over 80 inches. You can have them under 80 inches. Any size expand. Warbird? Any, any size Warbird any that's size? electric. Any size. Uh, and in fact, remember, we has to have a... Uh, an award for the smallest one and the largest one. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. one year. I was so close. <laughs> one year I had a big plane, uh, but mm. uh, that's usually the first weekend. It's great at Tri County Barnstormers in New Waverly, Texas. So get that on your calendar. Just and keep in touch. Right. Hopefully we'll we'll be posting stuff on our Facebook oh, page yeah. and I'm sure repeating it here on the podcast. Yeah. yeah, and and I need all of you guys to. We'll start a, a GoFundMe or a Patreon. We're gonna buy Terry Dunn a ticket back to Houston so he can come join us. We we miss our buddy Terry who's freezing his butt off in Buffalo, New York right now, and we'd love to have him come down here so the three amigos can get together and and partay. <laughs> the three <gasps> amigos. That would be something. Okay. Yeah. That would be fun. Yes. So uh, I will pencil that in on my calendar. All right. We'll see what we can make happen. Got a pencil in your phone? <laughs> so firstly, you have to make the event solidify, and then I'll see what I can do to get yeah. there. Well, you know, that's the th- that's I guess this is the, this is the first announcement, and then we'll keep adding more. But yeah. I think when we get closer, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna probably reach out to some people and see if we can get donations, see if we can get some raffle prizes. We're gonna need that. If you know of anybody. If you have a friend who's getting rid of a whole bunch of airplane gear and stuff we can add to the pile, we're gonna that's the kind of stuff we're gonna need. We'll you know, we'll also obviously I'll work with the club to get volunteers to do food and stuff, but those are nice things to have, but you don't have to have them. Mm. Well, you certainly don't, but I'm just encouraging it because it just would be great to bring back the olden days when that was just so much fun to do the raffles, you know. 
and have and people screaming at you when you're flying and they're going <laughs> pilot number one and go, I'm flying <laughs> <laughs> last chance pilot number one no way and that one year it's like it was every number was Richard's number <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, not Richard again <laughs> thousand tickets if you buy oh it was great I mean, I'm sure they made a lot of money that year yeah. so all right, well, that's that's that. Hey, Lee, I had to go back. You were talking about your son, Ryan, not being old enough. You know, there is a technicality for that. Which is? He was in the womb for nine months, so just add nine months to his age. I'll do that. Right? That's what they do <laughs> for those Little League pitchers, right? When they have the, the kids with beards and mustaches pitching in the Little League World Series. <laughs> yeah. so they I got just, a I guy. I throw a mustache on him. They have a birth certificate guy. I'll, I'll find him for you. Yeah, you got a guy who knows a guy. I'd love to be a part of that. I've never been to the camp, and I, uh, I, I reached out to the AMA, and uh, I'll just, I'm going to say this here. I hope I'm not getting myself into trouble, but I have, I have not experienced it before, and I know that our buddy Mason Hutchison has been out there at AMA camp, and he either does lectures or he participates in some of the training classes and so forth. Uh, but I asked him if they've ever done any glider tutorials, instructions, whatever you want to call it, sessions, uh, about uh, tow line, like high start or aero tow, and they haven't. And I was like, man, I'd love to run that. That would be fun, yeah. you know, to have you know kids learn how to do a high start launch. And, you know, the, the cool thing is that uh, Austin, you know, he's in the new gadgetry. He, all, he knows all the new technology. But, you know, when he started thinking old school about launching a glider on a bungee cord he's like how does that work he was like he wants to see that he hasn't actually participated yet he's seen the photos from um the last event the text best <laughs> i went to in in uh, dallas but he's like yeah i, I want to do that dad so i think that'd be fun i'd love to get kids to do that that kind of thing and you know what i think would be popular with kids because it's one of the things that got me interested in gliders uh when a friend and I started in Houston with gliders. We weren't using a high start or aerotow. We were using a pulley start. So we would stake one end of the line in the ground and put a handle on a pulley. And then you run with the pulley. And that basically doubles your line speed. And that's how we did our launches with gliders. And there's a significant amount of resistance from a two-meter glider when you're trying to pull it up. Mm -hmm. So there's a... A real challenge to it. And I think th that sort of interface with the airplane, and you literally feel what the airplane is doing when you're trying to pull it up. I, I think that would be something that kids would get interested in. Well, I think Terry will agree. When you and I got together for the first time to do Aerotow, that was a blast. Oh, yeah. When, we were using Velcro then, right? Velcro. And what did you have? A Senorita? Not a Senorita. What was it you were flying? A cadet? Uh, Not a cadet. The blue and white one. That was the first. The was that senior? the first tow plane? Was it? Was no. That, or was it my plane, the Hobbyco that I electrified? You had some trainer, a forty size trainer. Yeah, the so that was blue my and gold one, right? That's it. Yeah, I, that's my. It was like one of my first e conversions. Still has the Jetty uh, direct drive motor on it. The Phaser. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Jetty Phaser. I still have that thing. So yeah, I mean, but God, that was so much fun. And I think those kids that they got to do that, and then not to mention the day the three of us at best, we were using that RC car, that six L oh, yeah, RC car. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was fun. We got it. Yeah, let's let's. I'm. You guys call up the AMA. Tell them they need to do that. We'll uh, we'll make it happen. Okay, I'll do that. Well, I think we should wrap up the show, Fitz. What do you think? Yeah, this is a good idea. Put a nice bow on it. All right. Well, gents, it was a great session. Not a lot of, we really uh, 
hit the round table of topics. I guess we did, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, really good, very varied and eclectic, as usual. I feel better now. I've been like biting my tongue for a week, waiting to tell you guys about this piranha. And I finally popped that zit. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, okay, that that's not the refreshing feeling I'm thinking, but okay. <laughs> I was thinking morning coffee, but okay. Here's yeah. it popping my uh, hey, cup of joe. Whatever. Insert your analogy here. Whatever. <laughs> whatever turns your prop, I guess. Doesn't matter. All right. All right, guys. It's been fun. Uh, I think we will wrap things up and say thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, check our usual uh, social media pages for any updates we have after the show. Tell and us what you're up to. Show us your projects. Always. All that stuff. Always. Yep. Fan mail, we love it. Yeah. Send us comments. We've been getting some good mail lately from our fans, so I really appreciate it. Some great stuff. We love hearing from you. And we like to talk about special requirements for getting a sticker, but I think we're pretty open about giving stickers away. So if you want one, let us know. Yeah, ask nicely, and we may give you a sticker. All right, then, guys, any last words? No. Okay. Piranha. <laughs> Sounds like there's an old Star Trek episode where they're drinking Tranya. And I, every time you pronounce it, I think of that. <laughs> and on that note, we are out of here. Don't fly like Lee. Don't fly like Fitz. <laughs> That's good advice. We'll Don't land later. like Fitz. <laughs> <laughs> Don't land like I do. <laughs> Bye. All right, see you later. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.